Praise the Lord. How many believes he is the same? Amen. Yesterday. Today. And forever. forever. So that covers everything we have need of. Amen. Wouldn't it be awful if he was the same today and not the same yesterday? You say, why? He'd forget about all those that live for him back there and leave him in the grave. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what if I die? You don't really die if you're a Christian. You just move to another realm. And that body is going to be called just as sure as there's a God in heaven. Aren't we happy to be together today? I like this kind of snow, don't you? It's really pretty on the grass and the trees and stays off the road. Whoever ordered that, would you care to do that again the rest of the winter? We really appreciate that. <clears throat> Let's turn today to the book of Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That in all things he might have the preeminence. How many wants that in your life today? Brother Darrell had texted me before I came out and wanted us to remember his daughter, Sister Allison. Most of you know, of course, she's expecting a child and she's got uh, a kidney infection been in quite a bit of pain yesterday, last night, so they wanted us to pray for her. How many has a need, request you'd like to be remembered today? Let's take it before the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just heard the song. It was set forth to us in facts and also in the form of question. When has he ever failed? When has he ever broken his word? And we can say, never, never. You always keep your word. The only failure that there is when it comes to association with the word is the failure on our part, which hinders the promise from coming to pass. But you never fail to keep your word. Lord Jesus, we pray for Sister Allison today that you would help her. Lord God, you see this kidney infection. We ask you that you would just move for her, Lord. Hundreds of hands that were uplifted in the visible audience and no doubt invisible audience as well. But we, with faith, bring our petitions and our needs before you. We're grateful for what you have allowed medical science to be able to break into to help us. You've helped them to be able to understand a portion of your great laboratory. And for that, we are grateful. It's no wonder that your prophet prayed every day that the doctors would find a cure for cancer because you love humanity and it showed us he loved humanity. That's the spirit that the message was brought in. May we as your people always have that same spirit. 
So we ask you that you be mindful of us today. Now we not only pray for our bodies, but we pray for our souls, that the saturation of the Spirit of God could come in such an awesome way today that we would be able to sit at the table of the great King. Lord God, you know our needs, and they are many. But we realize, Father, our physical needs aren't really the greatest. Our spiritual needs take precedent. So may you help us open our hearts that faith can become real and alive. Speak to us, I, t- I pray today, from your word, in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Early yesterday morning, before the sun began to rise, the Lord was dealing with my heart for the service today. And it was concerning a true son. And as I lay there thinking, praying, meditating on the Lord, and I began to realize as the Spirit of God was near me where I was that by the fall of a disobedient son, it's what has brought all the sin, the unbelief, the sickness, the disease, the heartache, the trouble that we deal with. A son who at one time had given father total preeminence. A son who himself had the creation of the earth, animal life, botany life, under his control. But something happened to that son, and he let go of that obedience. He let go of that preeminent part that God had in his life. And as he let go of that, he also let go of his own preeminence over nature. And as I lay there thinking about that yesterday morning, I realized the work of reconciliation must be Father God bringing another son into the earth that would give Spirit God, Father God, total preeminence. And it couldn't be another son like Adam. It couldn't be another created son. Now remember, Adam was not like you and I, that he was born of his father's blood in his mother's blood. He was not carried in a woman. He was not begotten by a father. But he was created, and he was created mature. He was not created a baby and then growed into a man. But he was created a full-grown man. But yet, what the Lord so emphasized to my heart yesterday was God couldn't create another man like Adam, or he couldn't let another one be born in the succession of natural births, 
Because if he would have, they would have wound up doing the same thing that Adam did. Because of the way they came. They came through the bypass. The bypass of the theophany. So God had to bring a son of his own creation, one that did not bypass the theophany. For you look at us today, and many of us sitting here born again, filled with the Spirit of God, and yet we are still dealing with human weakness, sickness, disease, trouble, heartache, and our soul is further back than Adam was when he fell. Now, I hope you understand that those of you that are sealed with the Spirit of God, your soul is further back than Adam was created. But how can we still be in these types of bodies and have funerals and bury our loved ones, cry, deal with pain, sorrow, have to take medication for this and medication for that. It's because of the way we came to the earth. We're in the bypass mode. And we did not come the regular line the way Christ did come. And this is what separates him from the rest of his brothers. As far as coming from the same source, we are from the same source that Christ came from. Our seed is not inferior to what he was. Our name was in his book just like his was. And God spoke our name just like he spoke his. That is not inferior. My spoken word name is not inferior to the name of the Lord Jesus, both his human name and the name he'll receive hereafter. My seed, my spiritual DNA is not inferior to him. What makes me then, even though I'm regenerate today, how come I still am weak, feeble, tattered, and worn? It's the way I came. I bypassed my theophany. When I bypassed my theophany, that put me in another order, that I would come straight from his thoughts and I would be born July the 9th, 1956, eight or so in the morning. My spiritual representation would come from God, but I would bypass that all important part, a word form body. If I would have come in that, I would have known all things. And I could have been like the Lord Jesus in that I would have chosen to lay aside my divinity and take on humanity. But coming the way I came, I bypassed the theophanic presence and was born through my father's birth, my father's blood, rather in my mother's blood. And when I took the breath of life, 
There was no consciousness at all that I ever existed. There's no memory that I would be able to call back somehow, even after my birth. This is why none of us, after we're born again, can ever remember existing. We cannot remember, we cannot recall. Oh, we sing songs about it, and we write songs about it. I remember that tree, I saw this. But in reality, we do not remember it. Because when we bypass the theophany, that places us in this body, that when the new birth actually births our soul, we still don't remember ever pre-existing in the mind of God. And we never pre-existed as a human or as a separate being, but we were in his thoughts. But what separates the Lord Jesus from us, one of the things, is that he himself remembered, he knew he existed before. So he could pray to the Father and say, Father, give me the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. So as the Logos of God, which came the regular route. Now remember, this is the only attribute of God which came this route. He came straight from that great being of the eternal, the essence of his being. And in doing that, he came through the theophany. Then he became the flesh man. And God had to have a son of himself. Or as the diglot says it this way in Romans 8, 28, for whom he previously foreknew, he marked out copies of the likeness of the son of himself. He marked out copies of the likeness of the son of himself. So he became the very sonship of God. Not another God, not another being, not an inferior being. As the great debate, even in the first century, was going on between Arianism and the other aspect of the Godhead. And from there, it divided up to 325. And then, of course, they made three persons in the Godhead. But prior to that, that was non-existent. Because the Lord Jesus never projected that he was another God but the only God. But he did project a fatherhood and a sonship which existed when he was on the earth. Now Trinitarians, when they read those scriptures, when Jesus prayed to the Father and when he would talk to the Father, after the existence of the Trinitarian doctrine, they have in their mind of one being praying to another being in another place, in another body. But when the apostles with the one God theory, which come from Judaism, whenever they heard that, they did not see him as one being praying to another being, but as the visible being praying to the fullness which dwelt in his soul, which was truly separate in the sense that it could taste death, separate in the sense it could get sick, but not separate that it was another God. So Jesus was God birthed in humanity. So God himself gave birth to a son before the virgin ever conceived this son. 
And that was in the realm of eternity when the Logos came out of God and that, when, that was when God gave birth to a son. And whenever God then had this secret in what the prophet called the back part of his mind. Now God's great secret mystery he had before the world began. Back in the back part of God's mind there was something that was trying and going to achieve. He had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be expressed because first there wasn't even a moon, star, atom, molecule or anything. He was God, but he exactly wasn't God at that time because God is an object of worship and there wasn't nothing to worship him. So in his great mind, he wanted these attributes to be expressed. And in him was love, in him was to be father, in him was to be son. Now remember, he tells us in the future home that he loved fatherhood. So he must become a son of man. Now look at them terms, son of man. Son of man. Yet in reality, Jesus was not a son of man. Adam, man, but he was in the office of son of man, which was prophet. Now he kept saying, son of man, son of man, son of man, but they never called it. They, they couldn't understand what he was talking about. To them, it would have been a manner of blasphemy because that's what God called Ezekiel. And also, this is what Daniel saw in the ancient of days, that the son of man, but here the Lord Jesus was identifying himself as a human being. Notice he said in him was love, in him was to be father, in him was to be son, in the eternal was to be son. So it wasn't one being here, another being there, and another being there, but it was him and him alone. But in him was to be father, son, and Holy Ghost and Donnie, and Fred, and Dale. You see, really what we are today, those that are born again, are just the expression of God. I know that chokes you, but I'm just getting started, so you better get ready. God is not complete without you. This is the way he chose to do it. Watch this, and all these great attributes that we see already expressed, they were in God. Now, let us read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For we preach not ourselves. I wish some of the message preachers would really get a hold to this verse and believe it. Because they tend to preach themselves more than they do Jesus. They get really excited about talking about their trials and their tests, and that's all they know to preach is themselves. But I'll tell you one thing, God never called me to preach myself. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So preachers are not the gospel. I know some preachers think they're the good news. They have arrived and you are blessed because they are here. But the gospel is not me. The gospel is not any preacher, come on. The gospel is the good news that God became a man. Notice this, 
and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So how do we see God when we look in the face of the Lord Jesus? Whenever we see him, we have seen the Father God. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, this is part of where we are now in the glory of God being revealed. This is the human stage of the word doxa. The word doxa is where the word glory comes from. So it is the portion of God's glory that is revealed in the element of humanity. Now, I know you may not fully understand it, but God chose to reveal himself this way in earthen vessels. He gets a great deal of expression out of revealing himself through humanity. Now, if you don't mind, let us go back in the Old Testament and we'll look at a little, a little bit about the earthen vessels in the time. Because God had Christ foreshadowed and written even in the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And so were you. Now, many of them were identified in pots. Many of them were identified in birds. Many of them were identified in other forms of creation. But the mystery of God was wrote down in the Old Testament. Watch this in Leviticus 6.25. Speak unto Aaron and to his son, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest that offers it for sin shall eat it. In the holy place that it shall be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now remember, they're going to offer this offering different from the trespass offering and the drink offering. Each one of them was a symbol of the Lord Jesus. But notice how this comes in. Now the drink offering doesn't have this human element. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. So just whatever that the beast, the beast's flesh would touch, whether it was a pot, whether it was the altar, whether it was the hands of the high priest, whatever it touched, it actually sanctified. Now listen to this carefully. The offering itself sanctified whatever it touched. So here was an altar made of brass. Here was something on the outside. It might have been wood or whatever it was. But everything the offering touched actually made that holy. Don't you see yourself? Don't you see how you and I are nothing in ourselves? But what is it that makes us holy? We are touched by the offering of God. Now, watch this, and then I love the way he parallels this, of course, and Paul picks it up in the New Testament. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. And when there is sprinkled of the blood thereof upon any garment, thou shalt wash that whereon it was sprinkled in the holy place. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden shall be broken. Now notice the difference between an earthly vessel versus a vessel of brass or of metal. Now watch the earthly vessel was identified because they had taken it out of the earth and it was clay. And of course, you know, if you've studied pottery, you know that you don't want 100% pure clay because it will never stand the fire of the kiln. 
So there'll be a little bit of potassium. There'll be a little trace of iron oxide, and this is where it would get its red color. There'd be a little trace of this and a little trace of that. And they would search and hunt for the proper mixture to find the right clay field in order to take out of there and the potter alone was the expertise in being able to go out and find the proper clay field. And he would go out and he might pick it up and take a little bat of water and he would pour it on there and he'd mix it around and he would take it in his hand and work the consistency of the clay. And then he would look at it and he knew a certain color meant this and another color meant that and another color meant something else. And then if he wasn't sure, he'd take it back to his house and he'd mold something. And then he would put it in the kiln and he would put the fire on it. Oh my. And when he put the fire on it, that was what told what it really was. It wasn't really the beauty of the vessel that was shaped by the hands of the potter that told the true story of what it was. But it's when that vessel shaped by the potter's hand was placed inside the kill and then it was able to withstand the fire. You see, there's many folks that get into the potter's hands of salvation and he molds salvation in them and then he'll let tests and trials come their way which is the kill and whenever he allows them to be in the kill you know what happens to them all their beauty all their great testimony burst into a million pieces as we'd say because they cannot stand the test of the fire Aren't you glad that your God made you out of stuff that you're not afraid to go into the fire? Because if you're the right amount of clay, now remember the potter will leave iron oxide. He will leave a little element of of clay with that potassium and this and that and the other. That's part of his glory. When, Brother Donnie, will we be delivered whenever we get a body that matches our soul? Then our theophany will replace our human spirit. The seed gene soul will go inside the theophany. The theophany inside the glorified body, you will become your true trinity. What are you? You're the same way he was, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. What was he? The same thing you will be. The Lord Jesus, the human body, will become the glorified body already entered into that stage of Almighty God. And what was his theophany? That which God becomes visible into the invisible world and then the spirit part is that which we will see shining around him and that day. Don't you understand? He is Father, Son, Holy Ghost like you are body, soul, and spirit. You say, what is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the Father God, the same spirit of God. Jesus ain't got two fathers. The Bible said he was born of the Holy Ghost. Well, I thought God was his father. He was. It's the same being. Oh my, but notice what happens now, but the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden. Now they're gonna take this sacrificial beast and the flesh itself, the high priest will eat and he will consume that which is not offered upon the altar of God. But they must sodden it. Now you know the word there, sodden, means that they would mix it sometimes with water, sometimes with oil, and they would sodden it. But notice what type of vessel that they're going to do. And notice the punishment on the vessel that is used. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden shall be broken. Now this, of course, speaking to us that this vessel is a vessel of clay. 
So they would take the meat and they would sodden it inside of a clay vessel. But what happens to the clay vessel whenever the gift of God is in it? Wherein it is sodden, it shall be broken. Now look at the human vessel of the Lord Jesus wherein the justice of God was met, deity inside of humanity, and what happened to the vessel of the Lord Jesus? It must be broken. But notice the difference. Now if it was sodden in a brazen pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. So this is why God could not come in the form of fatherhood of the Old Testament because remember the Old Testament had many representations of the divine judgment of God, which was what? Brass. What was the serpent made out of that Moses put on the pole? Brass, judgment, God's divine judgment. But look at the humanity of the Lord Jesus offered in the sacrifices, the priests every time they offered it. They didn't even realize, Brother Jim, what they were doing. Every time they would reach over and get a clay pot and put this holy sacrifice inside this pot. And then once it completed the consummation and preparing it for the high priest to eat, they would have to take this vessel and break it to many, many pieces. They would have to basically destroy that vessel. Every time they did it, it was prophesying of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Oh my, notice Leviticus 14.2. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest and the priest shall go forth out of the camp and the priest shall look and behold if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. Now I want you to notice, by representation, you were already identified by a clean bird before you ever got born again. Now I want you to notice now, they could not take a turtle dove or a pigeon or a clean bird and then bring in a crow. But it must be two of the same kind the same species. Now notice what they would do. Now they're gonna take two clean birds alive. Now one cannot be dead and both of them cannot be dead, but they must be alive and they must be clean. And cedar wood. Now remember cedar is a mixture of both red and white, which is the merging together of the cross, divinity and humanity. So they would take two clean birds and they would take cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. Now hyssop was a little weed that grew around there, which was a representation of faith. They're gonna take hyssop and they used it to sprinkle the blood. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed, notice where, in an earthen vessel over running water. Now the priest said, I want you to take one of the birds and I want you to kill it. Notice how particular that God is. He shall be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. So it could not be stagnated water. It could not be a cistern. It had to be live running water. 
Amen. Now this is, if you look at this really historically, you might find out that you're gonna realize that one day some of the historians who place the temple where they think it is, they've got it in the wrong place after all because it's gotta be where there's a running water. It's got to be running water, the sacrifice. No one is typified the fountain of the living waters coming from the throne of God, of course, in the eighth day, but also coming to the sacrifice. So they could not take cistern water. In other words, you couldn't wash this lamb and cleanse it and purify or this bird, rather, in a denominational system. It had to be free-flowing. It had to be from the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. If any man will believe on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's why I don't want to belong to any denomination man-made church. Notice, and the priest shall command one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. So here, the bird itself is placed inside an earthen vessel, and the bird actually loses its life while it's in this earthen vessel over running water. What's the prophet says it this way? What taking place? They got two turtle doves and killed one over an earthen vessel with running water and poured its blood into an earthly vessel. The earthly vessel speaking of Christ's humiliation. Christ humiliating himself. Now you see the difference in this son is going to be, unlike the first son that was created and brought on the earth, and he exalted his own opinion, his own desire above the preeminence of the Lord God, but this son which came from the Lord God will crucify his own desires, his own personal father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but he will come as a son anointed with the preeminent headship and he will willingly do it. He will not be made. Let me tell you, friend, this is one of the major differences between the bride and the church. The church has got to be beat to death to do this and to do that. And some of them still won't do it. They'll argue, they'll debate, they'll fuss, they'll fight, they'll kick. That's the way an old goat does. But a real sheep that's born of the Spirit of God, they want to do what Father says. Why? They are anointed also with the same Spirit of preeminence. They're anointed to give him preeminence even though they're living in this same human temple and tabernacle which must be defaced and eventually be buried if we go by that way. Notice that he said one dove was killed in this was put cedar, scarlet, and hyssop and the hyssop sprinkled the living bird. Now watch what they do, they take the blood and then they take the hyssop from the dead mate and they sprinkle the living mate with the blood. Where'd the blood come from? Out of the human vessel. So you see, the human vessel itself that they would put it in, that human vessel had no blood. So the blood had to come from another source. The Lord Jesus was not born of a man in a woman's blood, but his blood was created. Where did it come from? Father God, that great Holy Spirit dove. God created himself a blood cell. So the humanity of God, hallelujah, was a creation of God. There's where the blood comes from. So the living bird was taken out in a field and turned loose. And when this little wings was fluttering and flying like that with the blood of its dead mate 
on it for a cleansing of leprosy, which is a type of sin, was a type of the church with the blood of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in our stead, and the blood cried, holy unto the Lord. Oh, holy unto the Lord, amen. The blood sprinkling the ground, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Cleansing of leprosy. Notice this. The prophet said, I just learned from some medical research the other day. Now remember, Brother Brown, prior to understanding this, thought that leprosy was contagious. Don't get mad at me. Come on, friends. I just learned from some medical research the other day what leprosy's caused from. The wrong diet. That's what causes sin is the wrong spiritual diet. It causes an eating leprosy that only God alone can cure. So here a leper comes and he's done been determined to have a leprosy. Now he's coming for the cleansing, which is the redemption of the leper to be placed back among, oh glory to God, among the camp. Because the leper, as long as he had this leprosy, he had to be outside the camp, outside the gate, away from his family, away from the church, as we would say. But now the man has been cleansed. And what's being offered, it is being offered for a cleansing of the leper. So the leper is now saying, I have been cleansed. I am better. I'm redeemed. I'm no longer a leper. And this is an atonement of an offering to signify that the leper has been cleansed. And what was it? Two birds. So here was Mr. Jesus and Miss Jesus. What is this right here? The slowly unfolding mystery. Now you wonder how many times, thousands times, thousands of times that the priest of God through the generations did this. Every time they did it, they was prophesying of him and us. Every time they would take the life of that little innocent bird and the blood was spilled out in the humanity, in the bowl, and then the hyssop was taken and sprinkled on the other bird and they would take the bird in their hands and walk out into the field, you imagine, and then the little bird would go flying, flying, flying. You didn't hear it, but God did. The priest probably didn't hear it, but God did. He heard the voice of the blood saying, holy, holy, holy. Nobody heard it probably but God, but that's really the one that counts, ain't it? Don't you understand when you and I are anointed to live right, we're anointed to be the bride, we're anointed to be separate from the world, sanctified from the world. The world don't hear it, the world don't hear the voice of God through our life, but God hears it. God hears his, what is it? The voice of the blood speaking to us. What's a bird do? Flaps its wings. Well, it wasn't that the blood gave the, the, the bird the ability to flap its wings. The bird was doing what it normally did. Flapped its wings. This is the way it lived its life. This was its testimony. But now it was empowered by the voice, amen, of the blood from its mate. I'm not married to a system, friends. I'm not married to a preacher. I'm not married to communism. I'm not married to the Pope. I'm married to Jesus Christ. It is his blood on my wings. 
that testifies. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. As for the living bird, now back to Leviticus 14, 6. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them, glory, shall dip them in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. So the bird, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the cedar. I'll tell you one thing, I don't know how long you've been saved. I don't know how many decades you're gonna be able to live here, but you'll never get over the cross. You'll never get over the sanctifying cloud. I don't think a real child of God wants to get over it, no how. It'll be with you the rest of your life. Notice, and he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos. Seven times and shall. Don't you understand? This is what God has his men to do to you today. And shall pronounce him clean. And he shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Jeremiah chapter 3, chapter 32, rather, verse 9. And about the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, Now remember, Israel is fixing to go into Babylon by their disobedience. But God has showed Jeremiah a vision. And he said, I want you to go to a certain place and when you're there, your uncle's son is gonna come and I want you to buy his property. So Jeremiah gets where he's supposed to be and here comes his uncle's son and he wanting him to purchase the field of Edenos. So Jeremiah said, I bought the field of Hamamiel, my uncle's son that was in Anathos, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. Now notice Jeremiah is doing this prophetically. He was doing it because 70 years from this time frame, the children of Israel are gonna come back in the land. And Jeremiah is going to bury a copy of this indenture on this property. And when they come back to the land, somebody's gonna be out there digging around. And when they go to digging in the things of God, you know what you're gonna find? This deed that was written about a possession. 
Praise be to God. So notice Jeremiah says, and I, I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money. Now watch how he describes it. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. I found this a little bit of history. Let me just share this with you. I think it'll make it more real to you. There were two indentures of which one was called the purchase deed and was signed by the purchaser and the witnesses. It was then sealed, but to close it up, the open deed was an exact copy. And it was intended for common use. So we got two copies of this deed. One of them is sealed and gonna be put in a jar, earthen vessel. Then we've got the exact same deed, hallelujah, in an open version. Now this open version could be kept as we would a courthouse today and you want to search a property and you go down there and find who really owns it and all that sort of thing so you can go, well it's in book so and so, page so and so and there it is. Well that would be considered an open copy. But the owner has the one that's sealed in a drawer, in a box, wherever. But they are exactly the same. Hallelujah. Why would you want that just in case the authenticity of the open document is questioned? Just in case the authenticity, is this original or not? Well, let's go back and find out what the original did. Amen. Let's go back and find out what it was said in the original and let's see if our copy matches that which God spoke of from the beginning. That ought to tell us if we're real or not. Praise God. In case its authenticity was called in question, the sealed copy would have to be produced before the judge. The seal opened, and if the contents agreed with those of the open deed, the decision would be in the buyer's favor. I'll tell you, friend, this is what the rapture is right here. It's both copies matching. We've got millions of people on the face of the earth today claim their bride, claim they're going in the rapture, this or that or the other. But I'll tell you, whenever the sealed one comes open, that'll identify who the elect are. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah! When the Lamb comes to redeem his bride, that will identify every book on the earth. What says how this worked? Jeremiah 36, 10. Then read Baruch in the book of the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord and the chamber of Gamariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the higher court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the ears of all the people. We don't need scientific proofs that the Bible is right. We don't need archeological proofs that the Bible is right, right, but it thrills me inside and out 
whenever they find it. Now what I find amazing is the book of Jeremiah was written around, uh, let's see, 30, uh, this is chapter 30 something. That, that, that year was 667 B.C. when this happened. Just recently they found a seal in the city of David with this man's name on it, Gamariah. A little clay seal. Now it's amazing because they have to date found seven seals in the city of David. Praise God. When did they find it? In your day, in your generation. Can you imagine them seals have laid there since 600 years before Christ was ever born and they got to digging around down there and all that dirt and rock and here they found Gamariah's seal. What was a seal? A little insignia, a little tiny thing and there was the name Gamariah on it. Not only that, but they found six more seals so it's the time of the opening of the seals, sounds like to me. And they're finding out their trial. Oh, you can guarantee your friends the left don't want this. And you can guarantee the Palestinians don't want this because they're trying to say that land don't belong to Israel. But it's hid in the dirt. Ah, glory to God, it's hid in the dirt. They're making the claim. And then what do they do, Brother Joel? They dig down in there and say, here is the evidence. Israel was here thousands of years before there was ever any Palestinians. It's the same with the bride. Dig in the word and you will find our identity in the word. It's not in a system. It's not in church entity. It's in Christ before the foundation of the world. You ever seen any of these archaeological guys whenever they go to digging and all that. Whenever we were there a couple years ago, they were still digging. They take little tiny brushes, get down on their hands and knees and just remove dust. But of course, we're too busy for that. We got so many things going on. I realize I think today is the day of the Super Bowl. I'd like to tell you about a super seed. I'd like to tell you about a super bride and a super sign. Well, come on now. Don't y'all get mad at me. Oh, my, my, the Super Bowl will be this and that and the other. Well, when the Super Bowl comes and goes, the super seed, the super sign, the super bride will still be going right on. We're talking about something that goes beyond the NFL. We're talking about something that goes in the back part of the mind of the eternal. Wow. And Gamariah somehow lost that little seal, which is about the size of a dime. And it's been there in that dirt for 2,600 years. A clay seal. Clay. So his identity was hid in an earthen representation. I imagine the Palestinians and the Arabs and all the rest of them said, oh shoot. 
It's where the devil wants to do you when you get a little, a little clear glimpse of who you are in the word. And you look in there and the Lord God pulls back a little bit of your dirt. Don't you understand that's what's going on? Us preachers are excavating your life. Oh, we're excavating your life. If you just surrender yourself and let the Holy Ghost go to digging past and dig past this hurt and this fear and this anxiety and all your trouble. Oh, if you'll help me, children, if you'll help me, I believe I can find the gold of God. I believe we can find the treasure of God if you just submit yourself to the Holy Ghost. Chapter 32, verse 12. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch. Now I thought it was really neat that they found Gemariah's seal. But a few days later, they found Baruch's seal. I saw pictures of it this morning. Our God, don't lie. Can you imagine how those men must have felt when they cleaned all that off and go through the shakers and all the stuff that they do and they reach down and pick that up in ancient Hebrew text and they can go back to Jeremiah 32, 12 and say, this is what the man used to stamp it. Well, let me go back before 667 B.C. Let me go back before cosmic light meters were ever made. Let us go back into the realm of eternity and know that our God thought of you before there was ever any light meters, before there was ever any molecules. And friends, he has not forgotten you. But Brother Donnie, I'm going through a hard time. If the God who done all of this can take care of his word, don't you think he can take care of me and you? If he know all of this was gonna happen, don't you know that everything in your life, he knows what's going on and he has not forgotten you. I saw that picture. And brother, and I just thought, God, this is so awesome. Here I'm reading this verse in the Bible and seeing the seal that Baruch may have used. They pour the hot wax and roll it up and pour the hot wax on the seam. And then Baruch would take his seal. The Lord God pours down the Holy Ghost and fire, hot fire. Glory to God. And he sets that seal on your soul and he says, all right, devil, now try to break that. All I can say is it's a good thing he didn't seal my body the same way he did my soul or the devil would never be able to bother me again. But God sealed me on the inside, but the inside's working out. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. One day I'm gonna get a body that matches my soul. I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the sight of Hamamiel, my uncle's son, in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. Ah. So here's a prophet of God in prison. 
that changed nothing. God said, I'll bring you back. You imagine a prophet sitting in a prison? But he could look to the future and say, God said, and I've got the evidence. And I charged Baruch before them saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and the evidence which is opened. Don't you understand, friend? What is Christ Jesus? What is the rapture? It's him coming to get the book. You say the book? Yes. What is the book? You. You are the words on the pages of the Lamb's book of life. When both copies will join together. This is the rapture. He's taking it home to his personal library. Praise be to God. What well, well, our evidence is here as far as the majority of the world. Don't you think they would treat you different if they knew at the white throne judgment you was gonna stand there and look at them? If they could see in the future and see that you're gonna stand beside the king himself and what you say will determine their destiny? Don't you think they would treat you different? But your evidence is sealed. All they see is long hair. The skirt church. Knows what to do. Take his evidence as the evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and the evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. Can you imagine when the 70 years were over and some of Jeremiah's kin come back on this field of Anathoth. They got out there grubbing around, digging around. They dig a little over here and dig a little over there, dig a little over here. He either put his shovel in the ground or his mattock and he went clink. They thought, what was that? Maybe it's a buried treasure. It was. Oh, some of y'all saw gold and silver, didn't you? Aluminum, tin, copper. No. No, actually, earthenware is more valuable than gold. Remember the Babylonians carried the gold and the silver of the temple that they carried them there and drunk liquor out of them. But they couldn't get liquor inside of Daniel. So in Babylon, the earthen vessel outweighed the, va- the vessels of gold in the house of God. Come on, children. 
Oh, you say, well, I'm unimportant. I'm poor. I don't have this and that and the other. If you're in the house of God, you ought to be the happiest person on the earth. Oh, but Brother Donnie, my value, I'm not this, I'm not that. You're looking at the wrong thing. It ain't your jar that makes you worth so much. It ain't how big your jar is and what color your jar is. It's what you're carrying inside your jar. Amen. That gives you your value. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Brother Donnie, we're in shaky times. What's Russia gonna do? I don't have a clue. What's America gonna do? I don't have a clue. Are you worried? I ain't. Why? We'll plant vineyards. We'll build our own houses. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We may not be but one bomb away from going home to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise be to God. Oh, but they're gonna annihilate the earth. That is totally impossible. The evidence has been sealed in the book. They will never annihilate this earth. You know why? This earth is one of Father God's attributes. They will never annihilate you. But my body will go back to the dust of the earth. But you will be living when there is no more body. Because the seal purchase is inside your soul. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Watch the prophet. He said, glory to God. I hope you'd catch that. Did you see what God did? He never revealed it to the highs and the prudent and so forth. They could fuss about it for all this time. But he put it in an earthly vessel. And he created himself his own son. Christ Jesus. And in the last day now, he's opening the seals and showing it to his church, kept in an earthly vessel. Don't you understand why the mystery of God, of the Godhead, was lost through the church ages? But it's to be restored again in the last days. So the purchaser and the judge and the attorney are all the same person. It's being revealed, so the evidence has come open. There's not three. There's one. Kept in an earthly vessel so it would not rot or rust. Hallelujah. Oh, you may think I'm a holy robber. Maybe I am. But there it is. It's been kept wrapped wrapped in the vessel of the earth that was redeemed out of the earth. Come up on Easter morning where death's seals could not hold him. Look. They took the earthen vessel and laid it in a borrowed tomb. There was the vessel cracked, bleeding. Crack in its side. Cracks in its back. Nails prints in his hands and thorn prints in his brow. There laid the vessel of God's humanity. Degraded, humiliated. But on Easter morning, he raised his vessel himself. Destroyed this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. I'm going to go ahead and say it. 
prophet of God said, if you got to baptism of the Holy Ghost, you got enough power in you to create a world and live a private life on it. He also goes on to say, one of these days you will call your own body from the dust of the earth. You imagine those that have gone in the sixth dimension when the resurrection comes and Brother Jim Babb and all these that have gone on before us, oh my, when they'll come out and there they'll stand on the, Lord God have mercy on us, right on the very brink of eternity and say, my body, come forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the soul and the theophany will merge into the purchase possession. Glory be to God. And here you'll be standing brushing your teeth or combing your hair and the evidence sealed in your soul will match the evidence. You've got evidence in another world. You don't realize it this morning. It's closed off to your eyesight, but you've got evidence over yonder and God let his prophet cross over in this land and say, I saw all of you all there. I saw all of you all there. What is it? It's an evidence that's sealed to the world. But we were one of those voices that screamed out, we are resting on that. We are resting on that. You see what death does? What happened, Sister Vicky, when Brother Warren passed one beyond the curtain of time? His soul stepped into that evidence that's hid from our eyes today. Praise God. He'd come up on Easter morning where death's seal couldn't hold him. So they put the clay jar in a borrowed tomb and the Roman seal sealed it. (laughs) Let no man break this seal. Does that include a God? (laughs) Do not let the disciples break this seal. We can handle that. Do not let his followers break this seal. We can handle that but you can't put no seal against God. Hallelujah. (laughs) What'd it do? That jar raised up. And in the East, when a man is enjoying his dinner, someone needs to speak to him. And he takes lays his napkin a certain way. They all know, don't take his prime rib. Why? He's coming back. So when they look inside the tomb and there's the master's garments folded in a certain way, they know he's coming back, not to the tomb, but to get the rest of those. What did God raise? The head. What did God raise on that Easter morning? God raised the head. But remember, God raised the body of the Old Testament saints of the elect because many of those which were dead, not all of those, but many of those which were dead and sleep arose and entered in with him after his resurrection and were seen by many in the city. You see, the believer is simply a jar of clay. Let's show them some jars, brothers. But it's the treasure within the jar. 
Now you see this right here? These caves on the right-hand side, all them holes, that's the caves of Qumran, right near the Dead Sea. See these jars? That happens to be two of the original jars that the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they just absolutely breathtaking? The colors, the exquisite work, and all the... Y'all don't find them beautiful? Well, take a good look at yourself. I I mean, these jars. See, some of them's got uh, scars and losing hair and gray hair and wrinkles. And see see the wrinkles there? That's you, Brother Jerry. Now, I realize some of us used to be that size, but we're swelling in size, and we swelled the size of this one over here. This is why we wanted two. That was you 30 years ago. But believe it or not, these are some of the most famous jars that have ever been found because the clay was special. The iron oxide was so rare. The contents. When this little Bedouin boy, it was 1947, when he goes down inside there and throws that rock looking for a little stray sheep, no doubt Almighty God got a hold of that little sheep and said, come on this way, little boy. Come on, come on, come on. Follow me, follow me. And this little Bedouin boy comes out there, not some great theologian, not some doctor of the law, but some little old Bedouin boy. And then there becomes rumors in the marketplaces and this little boy finds it and goes to taking bits and pieces of this and selling it and selling it. Then it begins to hit the black market and they go here and there and there and it joins this church and that church and that church. But then they finally got a hold to somebody that knew what the original looked like. And they got a hold. Now, why were they buried there? Because the Romans under Titus had already conquered Jerusalem. The Romans under Titus had already taken Masada. They had already moved it. And what were they doing? They were coming toward these people at Cormoran. And they wanted these treasures to be hid for the ages to come. Praise be to God. So God wrapped up a little tiny predestinated seed. And then here I come. And the first thing I say. That seed was in you when you were born. Oh, we dress it up. We comb its hair. And put lotions on it. Vitamin A, D, E, Y, Z, O3, O4, O5, O. All kinds of creams and things for the fountain of youth. It ain't in a bottle. It was in a jar. You realize olive ole is the highest oil on the market. You missed it. Opaque ain't got nothing but the barrel of the price of oil of Olay. Oh, come on, some of your sisters act like y'all don't use that stuff. I can see it on your face right now. But God hid the fountain of use in a clay jar. Praise God. So what could he do in our jar? Some more? Now, this is in a museum where they've got these in special booths because the humidity at the 
museum of the Dead Sea Scroll, the very top of that museum is shaped like the top of one of these jars. And they have to keep moisture. They have to spray the outside of it so often with water so the contents don't get dried out. That's what happens to some of us as Christians. We're supposed to be trees in the house of God. But some of us become saguaro cactus. I don't like the singing. I don't like this. I don't like that. You need a drink. And I'm talking about living water. Then you know what will happen to your old sticky this and sticky that. You think it's all about you when I'm here to tell you it ain't. I don't like this and I don't like that. If you'll drink enough of that water into the prophet tells us if that cactus will be able to get water, that beautiful leaf would unfurl into a beautiful leaf. And we become all sticky and all cantankerous and all grouchy because we're lacking a good move of the Holy Ghost. So they have to spray on the outside of this museum in order to keep the proper humidity. You see, the word needs the moisture. And them Dead Sea Scrolls, even though they're wrapped around there under glass, you can't even get to them climate controlled and all that, but the building itself, the building itself still needs a good dash of the water of God every now and then. I don't know about you, I still do. Anybody else here besides me? I need a good rain from the Holy Ghost to fall down on me in COVID times, in terrible times, in dry times. I, I need to be saturated under the presence of God so the living word inside my soul don't dry Dry up and blow away. Rise with your jars, please. There you go, that's me. That was a younger version of that other one a while ago. From where I'm looking at here this morning, I can see a lot of the rest of you that is bearing a lot of age marks as well. Don't you see, friend, when people think they're better than someone else, so what makes this vessel better than that one? Or that one better than that one? Because you drive a nicer car, nicer clothes on it, still clay, still dirt. And one day, dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. Unless the Lord God comes and brings a transformation to all of our jars. I don't have a picture this morning that I could show you of all of us new. But can you imagine, Brother Josh? We go from that, wrinkles on high blood pressure medicine, low blood pressure medicine, low cortisol, high this, low that, high this. So we take this for that and that for something else. I guess I'm surprised any of us even gained any weight as many pills as we take. Looks like to me we'd be so full on medicine we couldn't even have much of an appetite. But one day, the Spirit of God will just, and I'll go from that to a body like unto his own glorious body. And the disciples are gathered there, and Jesus just walks through the wall and appears to them. You see, Einstein broke into an element of it but he liked the spiritual aspect. And how fast that atoms can move, and if you could get it so fast that it could move through a solid substance like this and never slow it down. That's what happened to us. 
It's amazing. An old man is working on his sixth generation of fighters. Hypersonic. Russia's actually ahead of us. China's ahead of us on their hypersonic things. To be able to move at mock speeds, that's beyond ours. But isn't it amazing? I texted a brother yesterday in Ukraine. And I said, brother, just wonder how y'all were doing. Just want to let you know we're praying for you. Just a matter of minutes, he got that text, turned right around and sent me an answer back. But if I was to fly to Ukraine, which I was supposed to a few years ago for a meeting, it would take me hours and hours and hours because my body cannot travel as fast as my words. Aren't you glad one day we'll be changed by the Spirit of God and in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed and travel. Don't worry, little children. And the prophet's talking about these mystic lights appearing. Don't worry, little children. One of these days, one of them will drop down and there won't be hide, nor hair, nor bones left behind. You'll be changed. A sweep will go over you. The open copy will meet the sealed copy. And your atoms will be changed. Praise God. Oh, I wish it could happen today. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we we ask you today that you would move on every heart here. Those that are streaming. If there's anything in our jars, anything in our way, that would hinder us, Lord. Help us to get rid of it, Father. Temper, no festering anger, maybe a grudge that we've held against somebody because they did us wrong and we just can't let it go. Help us to realize Paul described that well when he described it as a root of bitterness. Because a root can live underground, hidden in this earthly vessel for a long, long time before it starts surfacing. But it will come up. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to be like Paul told us to be. And that was that each of us may possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. Our jar is given to us. We can fill our jar with filthiness. We can fill the minds of our jar with all kinds of foolishness. Or we can let our jar be filled with the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Help us, I pray, Lord. Let us possess our jar in sanctification and let the good things of God come out of our jar because it's coming from the secret treasure in our hearts. For you told us that parable that every householder brings forth things out of his house, some old, some new. So it shows us that we have foundation principles which never change. 
And then as we walk in the light, as you're in the light, you keep revealing things to us. So we're bringing out old and new of the same vessel. Lord God, may we keep our vessels in sanctification and honor. As we saw these jars today from Quamron, and here these Essenes buried them. They figure somewhere between 65 and maybe 75, somewhere in there, A.D. And they laid there from that time on until 1947. And some of them have laid there even longer than that, just recently finding some more. But what did they contain? The Word of God. Now these people knew better than to put them in something metal. Because whenever they do get an occasional rain, the metal can draw the moisture. And the moisture could condense on the inside of the vessel. And then those scrolls would have been rotted many years ago. Had they put it in a golden chest, same thing would have appeared. But they knew the appropriate thing was an earthly vessel. It's amazing how the clay jar can do, that it can rain around it on the outside unless it's submerged in a flood. It's like the clay jar will just absorb, absorb rather the moisture and the rain and not let it go on the inside. So they were kept in this arid, dry condition for all these years. It's amazing, Lord, how our flesh, it gets in our way, it hinders us. It gets sick, afflicted, weary, down. Yet at the same time, it does not hinder that soul and one iota if we are sealed. Keep us, I pray, Lord Jesus, by your grace. I wonder with our heads bowed today, no one looking around. Is there anyone here visible and those that are invisible? You say, Brother Donnie, I, I want to possess my vessel. I got to be honest, I, I look at things I'm allowed to come in, my vessel, my heart. I know it ain't right. I want God to help me. Anybody? God bless you, each of you. You see, friends, this is not something God will do, but Paul tells us that we are to possess our vessel in sanctification, which is separation, holy, identified in the presence of God. So it's your responsibility, young men. It's your responsibility, young sisters, older sisters, older men, for us to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, if these jars that you saw pictures of, if they would have stored grain, if they would have stored their wheat, and they found some with wheat, oats, different things in it that's been there all those years, but they didn't make the museum of the book. These made the museum of the book. This is what all the ages has been doing. God's going to put his book on display. What is the future home? The display of the book made of two sections, Old and New Testament. The new city will be the museum of the words written on the pages. Praise God. Praise God. So it's not us. It's the treasure we hold today. Those of you that 
you believe with all your heart, you're sealed by the Holy Ghost and you're born again and you're ready. If the Lord Jesus were to come in five minutes, you believe you're ready to go. But you say, Brother Donnie, I'd like to have more of his love in my heart. More of him flowing in and out of me. Anybody? I got my hands up. I sure would. I believe that old account was settled with me long ago. Oh, but I want more of him in me. More of his mercy. More of his grace. His forgiveness. He's going to check us one day, friends. You see, this is where churchanity is going to prove they're in the wrong book. This is where man-made systems are going to prove because when God goes to checking the authenticity of those who's going in the rapture, he will match it by his original word. So how can we say we are original if we deny the teaching of the apostles? How can we say we are original when we are baptized in titles and there's not one person in the Bible that was ever baptized under the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost? How can we say we are of the original copy and yet we deny many of the things that the Bible says? Then our copy and our heart does not match the original one. But if you're original, whenever you hear a preacher preach Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children, them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That deed inside of your soul will reverberate. Amen. Behold, I send unto you, Elijah the prophet. That deed in your soul reverberates. Amen. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and teachers. Yeah, and if that deed's in your soul, you'll reverberate. Amen. Why? Because your soul matches the original copy. God will authenticate every believer before they go in the rapture. So God can look at that original word and look at what's in you and said they are exactly the same. The alpha has become omega. Praise God. If you feel comfortable in doing so, maybe it's a husband standing by his wife or a wife by your child. You feel comfortable in doing so, would you just take them by the hand or lay your hand over on their shoulder and just offer a word of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've got that book. It's in the museum of your life. It's hid there in your soul. But these conditions that we're dealing with, they've dried you out. And your humidity ain't right spiritually. Your praise is gone. You ain't really rejoicing like you should. Well, Brother Donnie, I'm waiting for my circumstances to change. Well, you need to be here this coming Wednesday night because you're going to see a little different about that, Lord willing. A person who's ever found the right avenue of rejoicing can rejoice no matter what's going on. Whether you're sick, whether you're in the hospital, wherever you are, you can rejoice because you ain't rejoicing in your circumstances. You're rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray for one another, shall we? If there's no one standing by you that you can lay your hand on, just join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we desire to bring each other into your presence right now, Lord. Oh, how beautiful these scriptures are today. How we thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming an earthen vessel. Thank you for becoming that mate. It's no wonder 
that it couldn't just be Rome alone that would have a hand in your death. But the high priest must also have a hand in your death because it was the priest in the Old Testament that killed the birds. So the Jews and their hierarchy must have a part to play in your death. Little did they know when they laid their hands on you and your earthen vessel. Hallelujah. And they took your life in the natural sense. We know no one took it, you gave it. But they were an instrument by which the cruelty of death moved upon your body. Little did they know they were forfeiting forever their position as a nation to be your bride. And the one to get that position was going to be your mate. Praise God. That speckled bird. Oh Lord Jesus, if there's any under the sound of my voice today that the blood is not sprinkled on them, may the blood from the sinless Son of God sprinkle on their walk and their talk and their behavior and their life. When they go out of these doors today, may they flap their wings. May their song be different. May their walk be different. Why? It's anointed with the mate, the blood of the Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Then may we be released out into the open field, the open book released into the open field. And may we declare not how great we are, how wonderful we are, but may we declare we are free because the blood of our mate made us free. We were lepers, we were lost, we were filthy, but we have been cleansed. Oh, some of you, Paul said, such were some of you, but now are you washed, now are you sanctified. Praise be to God. We used to cuss, lie, run around, do all the things But one day the blood of our mate, the Lord Jesus, sprinkled on our life and it released us from that hole forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you today, Lord God. We bless your name. What about it, little release bird? You want to wave them wings of yours up before the presence of God? You want to take them handles on the side of your jar and raise them up to the Lord. Oh, they may have cracks in them. They may have scars and all that. My, we've got so much to raise our hands and thank him for. Don't look at you, how good or even how bad, but look at the treasure that God can deposit. Brother Donnie, I've made such a mess of my life. I'm sure you have, so have I. You know what, if we can bring that vessel through the process of justification, sanctification, filling with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then let the Master deposit in us that which He so desired. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, we worship You. Let's just keep our hands up now for a few moments in the presence of the King. Let's just worship Him now, saints. Oh, he's worthy. He's worthy to be loved and adored. Let your wings 
Let your wings of your newfound life, may it spread forth holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and was and is to come. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and people and tongue and nation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Let's worship him together. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I guarantee you one thing. There's one little lady that's standing here in this service today. Is so happy to be here. Erica, she's not been here since October. Since October. I'm glad she's with us today. Oh, how we ought to thank God every time we get to come to the house of God. Oh, how it ought to make us so happy that we're coming into the presence of the Lord. The servants of God in this day are digging through our humanity and trying to find that treasure within us. It's so easy for us to focus so much on the jar and focus so much, well, Brother Donnie, if you only knew me and if you knew this and knew that about me, you wouldn't even like me. And well, maybe I wouldn't, but it ain't whether I like you anyway. It's that God loved you before the foundation of the world. But God takes his men. Oh, can you imagine what a treasure it was that day when a descendant, Jeremiah, was done gone. Maybe it was a an uncle or someone who had a child. We have no record that Jeremiah ever married, but it must have been someone of his kin. And they went out in the field of Anathoth and they dug around and they found a prophecy that was fulfilled. Praise God. And let me just bring you up to date a little bit. Have you heard anybody lately in the message say, I'm struggling. I am really struggling with whether Isaiah was a prophet or not. I'm struggling with whether Jeremiah was a prophet. I'm just really struggling with whether Jeremiah was a prophet. Well, if you read your Bible very well, you know there are things that Isaiah said that have not come to pass yet. As a matter of fact, some of his prophecies are over 2,700 years old. And there's a few of them that I know of that won't be fulfilled for at least another 1,000 years. So are you going to wait till they're all fulfilled before you identify him as a prophet? You're going to be older than Methuselah. If what he said come to pass then, everything else he said in the name of the Lord will come to pass. There's things that Jeremiah said. So some of you leaving the message because, well, Brother Brim said this and it ain't come to pass yet. Well, that means you'll have to quit reading your Bible then. Because there's things that Moses said thousands of years ago that still have not happened. Well, come on now, don't get quiet. I'm sorry you didn't know that, but that's the truth. There's things that Jeremiah said. There's things that Zephaniah said. There's things that Habakkuk said. There's things that Malachi said that have not yet come to pass. But don't worry, they will. Because they were anointed prophets of God. Well, Brother Branham said this and it ain't come to pass. Let me add that one little three-letter word, yet. Because if he was a word-sent prophet and we believe he was, then what was thus saith the Lord is exactly that. 
Thus saith the Lord. Brother Donnie, aren't you worried? I'm a bit more, I'm not a bit more worried about William Brenner being a seventh angel prophet sent from God than I am Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son that I also know chapter 65 about the millennium will come to pass. Chapter 66 about the eighth day will also come to pass. And the church said, Are you worried about Moses being a prophet? Are you worried about Ezekiel being a prophet? Well, some of the things Ezekiel prophesied from chapter 44 through 48 have not yet come to pass and they will not come to pass until the millennium. But I did say they will come to pass. Why? Because they were prophets sent from God. Amen. Amen. But I'm so glad that we have this word. It ain't just in book form. It ain't just in tape form. It's in human jars. Behold the greatest chapter of God's word when it lives in human beings. Sing something for us, Eric. Don't you love him? Don't you love him? Praise God. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For your mercy never fails. Never fails, sweet Jesus. In all my days. Hallelujah. I've been held in your hand. Yes, Father God. From the moment that I wake. Hallelujah. Till I lay my head. I will sing. Thank you, Jesus. Of the goodness. Of the goodness. Of my God. Every breath that I am able 
of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as my friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God.
of the goodness of God. Amen. Glory. Amen. Has he been good to you this morning? Amen. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Give the Lord another hand cap of praise. Amen. Amen. Certainly appreciate his presence. Amen. Let's just sing this little chorus. Nothing's too big for my God. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Let's sing that as you go. Amen. As you're dismissed this morning. Oh, there's nothing too big for my God. Oh, nothing too big for my God. Oh, I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be depressed. Nothing's too big for God when I'm in His rest. Oh, no, there's nothing too big for my God. Oh,
tu fais 